0: Um, Well, we have been the last couple of weeks reading and going through the Lord's Prayer, right? Um, So today we're going to continue on in that, but um, those of you that have been here long enough know that uh, every time before I preach, you all get to hear a joke. And they've all been amazing, I know, and so it's going to be really hard to top the last one, but I think I might have done it. So here you go. Viking warrior Rudolph the Red and his wife were on a stroll. Rudolph the Red looked up at the sky and he said, We should hurry up. There's a storm coming. So his wife asked, How do you know? And he replied, Rudolph the Red knows reindeer. (laughs) Oh, come on! That's funny. Dadjokes.com, just so everybody knows. So, anyway, okay. So yes, for the last four weeks we've been walking through the Lord's Prayer, section by section. Um, I personally have gained new insight into the words Jesus used and how He told us we should pray. Anybody else? Like Laura and Dan and Brayden um, have all taken us deeper into the context. And meaning of this passage that, for many of us, myself included, um, had maybe become routine, uh, dry, surface level, like we've heard it and said it a thousand times, right? But to be able to take one sentence that Jesus spoke and just like extract these powerful truths, right? Um, that Jesus spoke and peel back the layers, where we discover Him unveiling. Bits of some of the greatest mysteries in Christianity, like, for instance, God's kingdom here on earth, right? The ultimate mercy gift of forgiveness, supernatural provision, just like, wow, can we take a second? It's been awesome. But today we are going to move into the next to last section, and that's found in verse 13, so let's read it together. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Father, we just come here today, Lord. We're all here because we want to hear from you, God. We don't want to hear my words, Lord. We want to hear what you have to speak to us today, Jesus. God, would you give us new insight? Lord, would you challenge us in some areas, Lord? Would you encourage us in others? God, we just give this time to you. Would you bless it, Lord? Would your word and your truths just ring out? In your name we pray. Amen. Temptation. Whoa. (laughs) Temptation. I get to talk about that this morning. So it's one of those words that, as a Christian, just it has one of the worst connotations attached to it, doesn't it? Right? Like, I don't think most of us walk around using it in a sentence as a good thing. Like, man... I was just so tempted to tell that woman that cut in front of me at the grocery store in the express checkout line with her 23 items, not that I was counting, but I was so tempted to just tell her how much Jesus loves her and to just bless her and pray for her right there. No. More, it goes like, I was tempted to give her a piece of my mind and ask her if she could, like, read, or count, or can she even see, right? When we think of being tempted, it's almost always to do, say, or think something that is contrary to that which Holy Spirit would have us do, say, or think. So, if that's the case, why would we need to ask God, not to lead us into doing that. Is God in the habit of tempting us to do something wrong, and then maybe when we do, he's like, Aha! Gotcha! I mean, we just read last week about forgiveness, right? We understand now, if we didn't before, how great a sacrifice it was for Christ to offer us full and complete forgiveness. That it was the sacrificial act of trading his own life, for our redemption that brings forgiveness. Why on earth would we ever want to find ourselves in a place where we might be in a position where we might sin or go against everything that he just paid for? And why would God even do that to us? So as I started to research this verse, I read a lot of commentary on the first part and specifically on the word temptation. I find it's always helpful to research the word I'm parking on and find out what the original word is in Greek. It just kind of helps pull the word apart and um, add a little bit more. Um, we Our English is very limited, how many words we have. Um, the particular use of the word that in English reads temptation here is the Greek word parasmos, which translated means to make trial of, try, tempt, Prove, in either a good or bad sense, it is morally neutral. But we tend to think of it in the bad, right? But what if, instead of the word temptation here, we use the word test? Does that change anything for you? Because we read a lot about testing in Scripture, right? But again, we don't have the best emotional reaction to testing either. It probably doesn't evoke feelings of happiness or excitement or joy. The people that we read about in the Bible that face testing, like, that's scary stuff, right? It's stressful. Not something we would be the first to sign up for. I'm pretty sure if that were a workshop, that uh, the line for the blessings would be a lot longer than the one for the testings. Tests don't usually make us feel all warm and fuzzy inside. Most of us, when we think about taking a test, especially as an adult, we're not walking around relaxed, not thinking about it, spending all of our time before the test watching Netflix. And this is especially true if you don't know what's going to be on the test. I would venture to say that almost all of the Christian life is the equivalent of a pop quiz. Like, you don't know what's going to be on it. You don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know where you're going to be. You don't know what chapter it's on. And especially, you don't know how you're supposed to be graded. Like, are we on a curve? Not sure. Have you ever heard of the term test anxiety? It's a thing. Some of you here may have even experienced it. So it makes sense to us, this part of the verse, where we get to ask God, um, hey, that whole testing, trials, temptations thing, well, I would like to not pass. And we're going to take the long route around that one. I don't want to go there. And that sounds like a great prayer. And then we'd like to just close the book and move on. But those of us that have been Christians for any amount of time, really, we know what the Bible says about tests, right? Like, we know. Let's look at some scriptures. James 1-2. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, our endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. 1 Peter 1, 6 through 6-7 So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. 1 Peter 4.12 Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you are going through, as though something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. And one more, 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, The temptations in your life, the test, are no different from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So what we need to understand is whether the test is good or evil depends on the intent of the one giving the test and also on the response of the one being tested. When it comes to tests from God, we need to understand here that when we experience those, when he brings, them, brings us to them, it is always, always for our good. Let me repeat that. When God brings us into a testing, it is always for our good. The verse before mentioned briefly, but it's like the refining process of precious metals. They're put over great amounts of heat, right? Like they put them in a pot and they just, they stoke it as hot as they can possibly get it. It doesn't damage the metal. It actually does the opposite. It brings out all of those impurities that are deeply embedded within the gold or silver or whatever it is, that it makes it less valuable, And less pure. And when those impurities are removed, when they're scraped off the top, what remains is stronger and more beautiful and more valuable than what had just previously been there before. And God's trials are always like that to remove what is keeping us from being all that God sees in us and has created us to be. And I want you to hear this point. God does not tempt us to evil. However, he does test us and or allow us to be tested to bring out the best. So, if we know because we just read a bunch of scriptures on that, we know we are going to face trials and tests and all of those fun pop quizzes, right? How are we to be preparing for them when they do come? So, as always, if we want to see the best example of walking through temptation or testing, and then therefore how we can do it successfully, we need to look no further than Jesus, right? Jesus was fully human, correct, when he was here on earth? Yes, the answer is yes. Um, Just a couple of examples of um, that in Scripture, John 1.14. So, the word became human. And made his home among us. Jesus got tired. John four six says, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. He got thirsty. John nineteen twenty-eight. I am thirsty. He got hungry. Matthew four two says, For forty days and forty nights he fasted and became very hungry. He felt sorrow. The verse we all know, John 11:35, Jesus wept. Jesus was fully human. He walked through his human exp- existence, experiencing everything that we here on earth will ever experience. And he was tempted, and he was tested. And how did he get through it? What are we to look to to overcome and get through? Well, let's look first at his temptation in the wilderness. And we're going to be reading Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. It's up on the screen, but if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn. The temptation of Jesus, that's the header in my Bible. (laughs) So here we go. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For forty days and forty nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and he said, If you are the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. But Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. So how was Jesus prepared for his testing in this situation? Go ahead. ahead. He's praying. Scriptures. Yep. I would venture to say that Jesus knew the truth, right? He knew the words of his Father. He knew that Satan will always try and twist and deceive and make you question what God has said to you. He literally quoted Scripture to Jesus in the wilderness. It's the same as in Genesis 3.1. It says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. One day he asked the woman, Did God really say, you must not eat the fruit? But Jesus knew. He was prepared. He was armed. He was physically weak, but he was strong in his spirit. He had faith. Jesus walked with his Father and was in an intimate relationship with him. He knew who he was, And what authority his father and therefore he had. He walked in the power of God. Now another example, we also see Jesus in the garden right before he's going to be captured and taken into Jerusalem. And there he's going to be uh, tried and ultimately crucified. This is the ultimate test. The test of his love of his covenant, of his desire to bring restoration to creation. Knowing what is about to happen, he leaves his disciples on the Mount of Olives and he leaves them with this command because he knows what's about to happen. He knows what's about to transpire. He knows what they're about to walk through. And he says to them in Luke twenty-two forty, pray that you will not give in to temptation. And then in the very next verse, he is praying to the Father. He's shadowing the phrase that he tells us to pray in that verse. In verse 42, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Lead me not into the testing. But he said, Yet. Yet. I want your will to be done, not mine. So yes. We absolutely have the right to ask God not to bring us into tests and trials. Jesus did. He understands not wanting to experience pain and suffering. He was fully human. But, since we know that testing are for our good and we are going to experience them, that they are a reality to every believer here on earth, that we say, if I must do this, if I must walk through this test, this trial. God, deliver me from evil. Don't let me fall into the schemes of the enemy. Allow me to walk through it, surrendering my will, my flesh, my desires, and wholly focused on your will, your purposes, and your plans for me. Now, also realize that in the life of a believer, we can certainly bring ourselves into temptations that have nothing to do with God, nor are they tests coming to refine our character, nor are they necessarily bait from the enemy. Sometimes we just really get ourselves in a pickle. Our flesh and our old nature can lead us into things that were never meant for us. Sometimes we make choices, even as we're following right behind the Lord, I feel like something He must look behind us and be like, what are you doing? What the, wait, You know, like you're supposed to stay behind me, and here you are. I don't even know what you just did. And we're in a mess. And sometimes we want to blame God for that, because after all, we were following Him, right? Or maybe we like the, the old adage, well, the devil made me do it. But that's ridiculous. For example, this summer, Dan was leading my family and Kyla Ferris on a hike to a waterfall in Oregon. We all saw the clearly marked trail. We all had a visual of Dan ahead of us navigating safely up the path. There was no danger. We were all very well prepared for where we were going. However, off to the side of the trail was a creek bed, and in that creek bed was a big boulder. And somehow, maybe because I'd been watching an adventure race on TV and decided and convinced myself that, well, if they could do it, or more, it was probably my 43 year old mom self trying to show off for my 18 year old son that I was still cool. And could still do crazy things. But either way, without really thinking it through, right? Because that's what we don't think these things through. And with the words, Mom, don't hurt yourself, ringing in my ears. I just like leapt from the safety of the path onto the rock. And I stuck that landing. Stuck it for about two seconds before gravity overcame me, as well as the moss under my shoes, and I slipped off into the water. Now, trying to keep my pride intact, I jumped out of there, like a cat with her tail on fire, back onto the trail, and just kept going, right? Just continued on, nothing happened. But it wasn't long before I really started to feel the consequence of my lack of self-control. Long story short, I actually broke my toe, and I had no one to blame but myself. I could have tried to blame Dan for taking us there to, to begin with, right? Like, that was your idea. Or I could have blamed Trevin for making me feel like I had something to prove just by being there. But seriously, that was nobody's fault but my own. I was tempted by something that had nothing to do with anything but my own pride. James 1, 13-15 says, And remember, when you are being tempted, and I added in, to sin, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else to sin. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. I was enticed away by my own desires, which gave birth to an action which ultimately ended up hurting me. Don't blame God for those failures into sin, because God promises that His tests will always come with a way out. All right, you guys. So, when you're being tested, if it's from God, we all know this phrase, right? If He brings you to it, He'll bring you through it, right? If you find find yourself in a place of temptation of your own doing, get out, right? And finally, if the testing or temptation that is upon you is to entice you into sin, that is an assault from the enemy. And then let us pray, God, deliver us from evil. Just as we talked about that God will never lead you into a temptation to sin or fail, You guys, Satan always tempts us into sin. Now, I was trying to find a good example of this, of temptation into sin. And let's be honest, it is 2020 in America, and I had a lot of things to pull from. A lot. But there's literally a TV show out there. It's a terrible show. No one watch this or look it up on YouTube after this, okay? And disclaimer, I've never seen it. But there's a show out there that is literally called Temptation Island. Anybody heard of it? Good. (laughs) The premise of this show is that they take couples that are in a relationship and they put the man on one side of the island with a group of models, female models, and they put the woman on another side of the island with a bunch of good-looking men. Do you think the producers got together and are hoping that um, they're going to be successful in overcoming temptation? Are they being set up with the goal of success? That in the end, their relationships are going to be affirmed and stronger and proved faithful. But side note, for reals though, if they wanted to make it fair, they would put the woman on her side of the island with a bunch of guys that would cook and clean and go shopping with her, like, much more tempting. (laughs) All the women are like, amen. Uh, But I'm just kidding. But really, what is the purpose of the temptation in this context? What's the purpose? Failure. They are set up to fail. They are tempting, testing, and trying these people to be led into evil, not good. And this is how the enemy tempts us. His goal in testing us is always to lead us away from God, away from his purpose, away from his plan for our lives. From the very beginning of humanity, he has been lurking and conniving ways to lure us into sinning. That is a direct contrast to the purpose of God's testing and God's trials, which are always to strengthen our faith, to teach us perseverance and dedication to him. Amen? First Peter 5.8 says, Stay alert! Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. John 10.10, 10, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. What God will bring you to is not for your death or destruction, but it's for your strengthening. The enemy absolutely is out to destroy you. He is literally out for your soul. Everything God wants for you in this life, he wants the exact opposite. But God promises that we have victory in Jesus, that we have everything we need to live the Christian life, that who we have within us, well, 1 John 4, 4 says, what? Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. When we prepare ourselves in advance, when we know whose we are and what power and authority we have living within us, the Bible says it's the same one that raised Jesus from the dead, by the way. When we know that we are more than conquerors, when we discipline ourselves to be strong in the Lord, and when we know who it really is that is against us, when we know with confidence that our God is greater and all in heaven and earth has been given to Him, we can be delivered from evil. Jesus was our perfect example to overcome the testing and the evil one. And He tells us that we have everything we need And then he goes on to list it out for us, just in case we aren't clear. In our women's Bible study on Thursday nights, uh, we are going through the armor of God. Literally, the entire purpose of that passage is to show us who we are really warring against and how to defeat them and gain the victory. And I'd like for us to read it together. And that passage is going to be in Ephesians 6. 10-18. through And it says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, church, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, Put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert. And be persistent in your prayers for believers everywhere. Read your Bible. Pray. Spend time with the Lord daily. Walk with the Spirit at all times. Know God's voice so that you recognize truth. Be alert and be prepared. Let Him strengthen you. That we would say, lead us not into temptation, the test, but if you do, God, I'm ready. And by your strength and power and authority, we overcome and we will be delivered from the enemy of our souls. Father, we don't want to be led into test. But if we are, we know it's for our good, for our faith to be strengthened, for us to learn endurance, that you will always give us what we need to make it through. And Father, if we are led into temptation to sin from the evil one and his spiritual armies, in your strength, with your armor, And your authority, which has been given to us, God, deliver us. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, first off, that message was amazing. Um, So good y'all just want to stand with us, and uh, we're just going to sing this song again. And the reason I started with the chorus this morning, I am a temple of your spirit, I just love that. I love that we start out by singing who we are in Christ. All right. Because I am a temple of your spirit, born again believer. By the grace of Jesus, and I am an ambassador of heaven, a lover of your presence, and we're prophesying freedom, and it's all for your glory. Come on. I stand on holy ground My face will not be moved All my defense is down Come and do what you want to do Father, I'm listening I'm hungry for your word I would give up anything See your kingdom flood the earth I am Temple of your spirit Born again believer By the grace of Jesus And I am an ambassador of heaven Lover of your presence And we're prophesying freedom, And it's all for your glory I see the city shake, your power on the street. Thousands by thousands stay, hear the roar of the redeemed. Your cross has overcome, overthrown the enemy. If I boast in anything, it's Jesus living in me, cause I am the temple of your spirit born again believer by the grace of Jesus then I am an ambassador of heaven the lover of your presence prophesying peace come on, cause I I am the temple of your spirit born again believer by the grace of Jesus presence, prophesying freedom, and it's all for your glory.
2: Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You are so good. You're so good, Father. You're so good. We're so thankful for you, Jesus. Lord, would we take what you've spoken to us today? Would we keep it locked in our heart? Where we, we meditated on it throughout the week? Lord, would you teach us how to walk by your spirit, to put on the armor of God and walk this week full of faith and spirit? Um, and just you would lead us from temptation and uh, deliver us from the evil one. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you guys so much for coming to service today. Uh, If you're a visitor here, we'd love to get to know you. There's a welcome center right there. Uh, Kathy Ford will be there and wants to meet you and and get to know your names and how we can connect you. Um, And over there, actually, on the way out, too, there's a Christmas box. It's Operation Christmas Child. Please uh, grab a box on the way out. Let's bless a child this Christmas season. It's coming fast. It will come faster than you know. So let's get prepared. Let's, Let's start praying, God, is this something you're calling me to do? Um, And on your way out, if you want to give in person, just a reminder that there is um, a dropbox on your way out. Um, And if you would say uh, our benediction with us as we close. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Have a great week.